I really feel like I'm a long ways away from you guys. I guess I'll just have to get used to that, though. Um, there's something that uh, I would like to talk about first, and that is that this is a great opportunity to be up here and to, and to be able to speak and to be able to have a faculty that, that actually trusts me in rightly dividing God's Word. And I, I appreciate the opportunity very much. And um, what CW said is something that I will remember about this school, and that is the sense of family. The sense of family between, specifically between, the staff, the faculty members, and the students. And if you aren't partaking in that relationship that is available to you, I would want to encourage you to do that. There's a lot of godly men and women at this school that can teach us so many things. Um, as, as CW said before, I'm usually up here singing in a group, and so it's kind of strange in a way to be up here by myself. So if I all of a sudden break out into song or something, you know, maybe maybe you'll get a better idea or something of who I am. But uh, no, I'll try not to do that. It's, you know, it's like those pastors that totally make you feel uncomfortable at the end of the sermon. They'll just like start singing this song, and you're just kind of sitting on the pew going, "Am I supposed to join this guy, or am I, is he just does he want to do a solo, or what is this?" But um, I hope I don't make you feel uncomfortable. Um, and so one of the things that I see uh, traveling with majesty actually you probably you guys are going to get sick of the word majesty by the time I'm done um, when we go to churches one of the things that every church does is that at the beginning they will say why don't we have a time where we can just get to know one another everybody let's stand up and, and shake a hand around you so we're going to do that today I want you guys stand up right now and you know no holds barred I want you guys to just Go beyond yourself. Stand up. Shake some hands around you. Good, good. Looking good. Take two minutes. Okay, okay. Bring it in, bring it in. I stand utterly amazed. You know, I've been I've been in some churches where, you know, they'll take 15 seconds and they go, "My name's Jim. Bob, nice to meet you." you know, and if you can get that straight, but um, and so you guys are great. I appreciate you doing that. And, you know, later on in the sermon, you're going to understand why I did that. But um, first, when asked to speak in chapel, I thought, you know, I've been here for four years, and there's got to be some kind of some kind of knowledge or some kind of something that I've learned here that I can impart to my fellow students. And, um, and that is, and you guys have heard it up and down, and, and we sit in chapel, and this is, this is where we hear it, but you guys are going to kill me for saying this. I want to preach today on complacency, because it's still here. I mean, we, we sit here in these chairs, and the, the pastor will be up, and he'll be speaking, and he'll be, he'll be saying how we need to change. We, we can't be comfortable where we are spiritually. And so we, we just feel like we can just sit back in our chairs, you know, fold our arms and go, man, that is good. That is great. You know, what can I do with this? I need to change my life. But then what happens? You, you guys, I know you know it all too well because I do. As soon as you leave the chapel door, you're the same person you were before. 
and that wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it did. Um, you know, I think that this is, this is really important, okay? I want to stress this. You, we have heard it so much that it would be a shame. It would be a shame to the name we bear, Christ, to not be changing our lives, to not be growing fervently for God. So I want you guys to um, open your Bibles. I'm going to be taking the text of Philippians today. And not the whole book, but um, a few verses, starting with verse 21. But I'm not going to read quite yet. Um, in dealing with the apathy and maybe the complacency that we sometimes cling to, I looked at this passage and I said, this is a passage that is going to teach us by way of example through Paul, how we can start do, doing something about what we're learning. How we, how we can start using this education, this Christian education that we're getting. And so I want to go ahead and read the text now. Follow along with me in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh... This will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. But I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And convinced of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress in joining the faith. For your progress in joining the faith. And I think that um, this brings me to my first point, and that is, when you look at this passage, you see, you don't just see the words that Paul is saying. You see a man who has a motivation. And this, this motivation is not stopped. So my first point is, we need to have an intense motivation. It's got to be unstoppable. I want you to turn with me now to Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 9. I'm going to be reading verses 19, 19 through 26. Acts chapter 9, 19 through 26. We're going to hang on a second. Okay, yes. This is, this, is going to get, this is going to give you guys an idea of some of the things that Paul had to deal with, okay? Because he was a Jew and because he persecuted Christians... And yet God changed his life, just turned him around. It was a miraculous change. And, and I think you're going to be able to see his intense motivation through this, this little story here. Now for several days, we're going to start at the end of verse 19. Now for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. And all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on, his, on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by, by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted to gather to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. 
the Jews were plotting against him because he was one of them. And, that, and he left. He left that tribe. And um, verse 25, But his disciples took him by night and let him down through, through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. And when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. So you can see that with this in mind, that those who he now wanted to be identified with, he wanted to be identified with Christ, but he was preaching a message. And he wanted to identify with his brothers. He wanted to be loved by them and accepted by them because he had the common goal that they did. And yet they were afraid of him. And this is something that I think Paul had to deal with his whole life. He had to deal with the Jews who wanted to kill him and the Christians who, who had a lack of trust in him because of the things that he did in his, in his former life before he was changed. And in Colossians 1.24, it says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share. I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture of this motivation that is underlying now Paul's pattern and the things that he's doing with his life. Um, in Colossians 2.1, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And in Philippians 1, 12 to 14, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have more courage to speak the word of God without fear. And um, in, verse, in verse 16... He says, in the latter part of the verse, I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. This is a man who was motivated. And um, now, now understanding this, this intense motivation that we have, this is what Paul did. This is why his motivation is what took the place now for his complacency or his just desire to be relaxed about his Christian life. He could no longer do that. It was, it was Paul's motive and his, his theme in life to be changing people's life by giving them the gospel. And this leads me to my, sec, my second point. He says, we need to resolve in our minds. We need to resolve to work. There is going to be work. For some reason, we get this picture. I know because I have I've practiced this. We all know that it's not the, it's not the case that when you become saved, that there's no work involved. But not that there's work involved in our salvation. Just listen really closely. What I'm telling you is, is that we have work to do once we are saved. Christ saved us, but we are called to live holy lives. And um, so I want to read verses 21, getting into the text. Verses 21 through 24. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But I, if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I don't know which to choose. But I'm hard-pressed from both sides, having, having desired to depart, to be with Christ, for that's very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. It says, it says in verse 24, 23 and 24, that Paul had the desire to be with Christ. But I want you guys to see, it was much more than that. Paul had the desire to depart. 
There's been times before where Paul has said, oh, how I long to be with the Lord. But Paul made a particular point right here that he wanted to depart. There was something that we need to see in Paul's life that he wanted to depart from. A good place to understand this is 2 Corinthians. Turn with me there. I'm going to read a section of 2 Corinthians. You guys, I want to... My goal is to use this book. And... Um, you may, you may think that I'm using it a lot. I really am. But I want you guys to see for yourselves what this book has to say about the alternative we must take to living complacent and apathetic lives concerning our salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. Are they servants of Christ? I more so, in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received lashes. I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Do you guys know why it was 39? Doesn't that, doesn't that come across to you as an odd number? <laughs> I mean, it is an odd number, but um, <laughs> as a strange number, okay? 39 lashes because they believed the 40th lash was going to kill the person. So just get this picture. This guy is one lash away from death five times. You can imagine what his, his back and his skin must have looked like if, when he was to take his cloak off. This was a man who was sold out. He was motivated, and he resolved to work for Christ. Let's read on. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, from countrymen, from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And then the last verse, apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. Take a look at that passage and ask yourself, is there anything that I should be afraid of? Have we, have we by any means, maybe some of us have here, I don't know. Some of us come from other countries where there is, there is persecution. I mean, you've heard of the country of Nepal, religious persecution is imprisonment for life. I don't know how things are changing over there. But I remember my freshman year, we had, we had a man, a missionary, or actually a native from Nepal, come over here and tell us stories about he had been beaten severely for the cause of Christ. And, um, and so I think it's important that we need to ask ourselves, match ourselves up to that. Do we have anything in relation to this to be afraid about? No, we don't. Um, turn now to Philippians 2. Verses 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12, 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's start with 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I want us to see, specifically here, 
I want us to realize the difference between having to work for our salvation and working because of our salvation. Because that is what the text is saying. I mean, look at verse 13. It says, for it is God. God has done the work in our lives. It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Our job, seen in verse 12, is obedience. If we're obedient to Christ, to God, to his word, then we will be doing those things. We will be allowing him to work out our salvation in us. We will be working, fleshing out our salvation. In verse 24 of the text, back to the text, Philippians chapter 1. In verse 24, Paul saw something that took the place of his apathy. And I want to submit to you that that was his compassion. His great compassion for others. And I find it very fitting that the vocabulary word for this week is compassion. And uh, thanks a lot, Dave. And uh, it's, it's just, it just fits so well. If you read the text, it says, let's, let's read verses 24 and 25. Yet to remain on in the flesh, it is more necessary for your sake. And convinced of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Notice the emphasis on you and your. I'm doing this because of you. I mean, if I had it my way, I, I know nobody needs to tell me that it's better to be with God. Nobody needs to tell me that. But I see a purpose in my life. My purpose in my life is, is for others. Is that foreign to us? You know, I had you guys stand up because I want and shake each other's hands and get to know one another. Because time and time again, we sit in this chapel and I don't know the guy in front of me, the person behind me. You know, we need to get outside of ourselves a little more. Like I said, given the opportunity to speak in chapel, I've noticed some things that I think that could be changed. And it should be changed. I think we'll, we will experience a greater fellowship amongst the brethren. Thus, even a greater accountability level here in this school. But there is great encouraging that needs to be done. And that, that can be done through getting to know one another. Even just that simple thing. You know, standing up and saying, hi, how you doing today? You know, spreading yourself out. It's a worthy cause in this case. And some, some, you know, I, I tend to look around and, and some of us think, including myself, at times, I'm, at times we've all thought this, the world revolves around us. We wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say that. But there's people in the music department, there's people in the athletic department, there's people who have given a spot, have been given a spot in leadership that think for some reason because the place that God has placed them, the world then revolves around the way they do what they've been given. And um, I, think, I think that once we start to show ourselves to one another and start to give to one another, then we're going to be able to allow ourselves to develop this compassion that Paul has for others. It's only then that we introduce ourselves to one another and that we talk about our problems with one another that we are going to be able to develop a, ca a compassion for that person. Because how else can we if we don't know them? Um, I, wa I want you to see also, um, I want to take a look at Paul's credentials. I think this is really key. Turn, and while you're turning, I'll, I'll explain what's going to happen here. Philippians 3, verses 3 through 7. 
I want, to, I want us to take a look at Paul's credentials because he gave up something. This was a man who had, in man's standards, every reason to have pride, yet he chose not to. And he chose not to because he had a great compassion for others. Philippians 3, verses 3 through 7. For we are the true circumcision who worship in Christ, the Spirit of God, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law of the Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted loss. I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. The sake of Christ has already been identified as, in Paul's case, the gospel. Christ is alive in the gospel. That's the gospel message. Christ is alive. And so he, he saw himself as needing to be given over to this. And the gospel is not for one person, but it's for all. And so, because of that, Paul realized that he had to have this great compassion for others because he needed to give them the gospel. And um, if there's one thing I want to stress, it's the fact that Paul used as the ultimate example of love as Christ himself. I want you guys to turn to, if you have to turn, to chapter 2. We're going to read verses 3 through 8. It says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross it amazes me and it boggles my mind I can't understand it I can't comprehend it fully how God the creator of the universe loved me he loved you and he, he looked at us with compassion the ultimate example God looked at us in compassion and Christ putting aside his Godhead became a man 100% man he dwelt on this earth it says in Hebrews that he was tried in every single way he was tempted in every way as we are but without sin he was a man. I think in the same way, and like I said before, that is where the emphasis needs to be stressed. If there's one person I want to take you to, if there's one person I want you to emulate, it's not necessarily Paul. It is in a way, but it's because of one thing. Paul had Christ, and Paul directed all the glory that he got. Yeah, he sinned, but he knew that all the glory that he was to ever receive was to be given to Christ. 
And so he himself uses the example, the prime example of compassion as Christ. By way of closing, I just want to kind of reiterate to you guys my three points. My three points that are going to be an alternative alternative to being apathetic and to being complacent, being satisfied with where we're at. The first point was we need to have an intense motivation. What's your focus? Is your focus yourself? Something that, that I've desired to do in my own life is to, um, the first thing when I get up in the morning is to pray. You know, because that's really going to help us have a focus throughout the day if we pray. I have a teacher here at the school, and he said to me, he said, he said, are you the first person in your life to pray to God every day? Or when you go to class, when you go to class, does somebody else in the class bring you into the presence of God first? How important, how important is it to you that you be in communion with God? So you're not going to have a proper focus if you aren't. If you aren't there first, we need to get into this. The second, the second point: resolve to work. We need to get it straight in our minds that we have a job, and if anything, if anything, our job, our job is to not be so complacent. Our job is to at least have some sort of zeal for the life and the spiritual growth that God has so graciously allowed us to partake in. So it's going to be work. And we're going to be tempted. But God's given us and God provides. He provides the strength for us to endure this temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 If you were in Awana, you know it well. Hopefully better than I do right now. What's the first word? 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you, but such that is common to man. God is faithful, and he won't allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. Yes, it's going to be work. But this is going to be a kind of work that we can endure through God's power and his strength. And I think once we're obedient to the convictions that God has given us, we can allow ourselves to work out that salvation that talks that Paul talks about. He mentions in Philippians chapter two, verse twelve and thirteen. And then, the, and then the third step, the third point that you need to take with you: What's our level of compassion for others? Do we have a compassion for others? This is, in essence, the fleshing out of what we believe. This is what it was in Paul's life. His desire was to spread the gospel because the gospel was a gift from God to all men. And he had that gift. He knew how precious it was in his own life. And he wanted to impart that to others. Do we even think, do we even think about others? Do you pray? Do you pray for others? Let's, I want to take you to um, Philippians again. And I want to show you some places where Paul prayed. He prayed for other people. This is, this is how much it was in his mind that there was a need in other people's lives, not just his own. He starts out the chapter. He starts out the chapter by saying, I think, in verse 3, 
chapter 1. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you, in my every prayer for you all. In verse 9, he goes on to say, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment. God is important in his own life to be praying. Be praying for those other people. If there's one thing that I want you to take today, it's that example. It's that example that I gave you of Christ. And it's also the example of a man who has written so much about his own life that we can learn from, and that's Paul. It was Paul's ambition. It was Paul's ambition to be fleshing out his salvation, to be living for Christ. With that intense motive and that resolution in his, that resolution in his own life that this is going to be work. Somebody get that, please. <laughs> and um, not only that, but it was his great compassion for others. You guys are going to get out early. One is because I prepared my message, but my message is, I feel it's complete. I mean, and I've told, every, told you everything that I prepared. But I want to challenge you. I want you to leave. I want you to leave these doors, and I want you to do something. I want you to do something about what you believe. If God is calling you, and he's convicting you in ways that you need to be changed, then do something about that. Don't allow complacency and other things, other priorities that lift ourselves up to take the place of that. Why don't you bow your heads and let's pray and we'll dismiss. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the ability that you've given us to direct our lives to glorify you. Father, you've given us salvation. And it's my prayer, Father, that we all take a good, hard look in our own lives. Are we living for you? Lord, I pray in realization because your conviction has been so constant before in my life and in the lives of these people here. You don't let down on that, Father. You, that is a part of your grace as well. You've even given us the faith that is required to believe in you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for all that you've given us. And I pray that you would infect in our lives the desire to be returning that to you by living for you. Lord, give us a sense of purpose. You have given that to us. And Lord, your great mercy allows us to be convicted daily. Teach us, Father, that it is not just the conviction that gets us to the place we need to be. It is the working. It is the doing. Becoming different because of those convictions that you've given us through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray lastly that you would just give us a compassion, a great compassion. Show us in our daily walk how we can be talking with our friends, how we can be going outside our circles 
And Father, forgive me for not going out my, outside my circle enough, my circle of friends. And I thank you, Father, for the promise that you will give us a great compassion for people if we show a desire in people. I thank you for this time, Lord, that you've allowed for us to learn and to take a good look at your word, Father, and to seek emulating our lives after Christ. I pray that you would go with us and press upon our hearts, Father, that to live is to be living for Christ. I pray these things in your Father, in your Son's name. Amen. You're all dismissed.